Welcome to the Activist Insight Podcast, a window into the top stories in shareholder activism as told by Activist Insight Monthly. In this episode, we'll explore the trends surrounding shareholder activism as presented by the Activist Investing Annual Review 2019. I'm Ilana DeRay, a financial reporter with Activist Insight, and today we're asking, who were the top activist investors of 2018, and what did they do to secure their top spots? Which short sellers made a mark last year with the most targets, best returns, or most cutting allegations? What's new at Activist Insight, and what can subscribers look forward to in the coming year? But first, a look at 2018 and the stats that set it apart from previous years. Our annual review, produced in association with Schulte, Roth, and Zabel, provides in-depth coverage of the trends and campaigns that made 2018 an exhilarating year for activist investing. 2018 was a busy year on the activist front, with the number of companies subjected to public demands hitting record highs in the U.S., Canada, Japan, Australia, and the U.K. Non-U.S. targets made up a record haul of 47%, passing 400 for the first time. Joining us today is Activist Insight Editor-in-Chief Josh Black here to walk us through the highlights, as well as to provide us with some predictions for the year to come. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. As I mentioned before, 2018 has seen more global activist campaigns than ever before. Why the sharp increase? Well, I think figuring out why there was such a sharp increase in activist campaigns in 2018 requires a little bit of thinking about 2017, which was the first year we'd seen a dip in the number of campaigns year on year. And whether that was because, you know, the the bull market was getting along in the tooth and activist funds were running out of ideas or there was just a sharp rise in the stock market that took some ideas out of the realms of possibility uh, is kind of the key question you have to answer there. In 2018, you had uh, a lot of short-term hits from the US tax reform, from record levels of M&A. So lots of reasons for activists to try and catalyze deals and to make changes before situations became unfeasible. Whether you go back in 2019 to some of those problems of um, uh, running out of ideas is harder to say. Obviously, we've had some volatility in the market, so it, it may be that there were a fresh bucket load of ideas arriving. So you mentioned M&A, and we've noticed that in 2018, M&A was a common theme as more investors push companies to get the deal done. So I'm curious to know what sort of transactions made the headlines this year and if there were any surprising tactics used by activists. Well, you can probably tell me since you uh, wrote that particular article. Yes, so we did see a spike in M&A activity last year. We saw 253 demands worldwide in 2018, up from 206 demands the previous year, according to data from Activist Insight Online. And a big increase in the number pushing for M&A you know, where we kind of divide it up into, you know, as an activist trying to make M&A happen, or are they trying to push for better terms or oppose a deal? And the former, you know, really increased a lot faster, didn't it? 
definitely there were about 71% of demands that saw an activist push for a deal, while there were only 29% that witnessed opposition. So definitely there was a stark contrast between the two. And I think bump charge was an area where we saw a lot of activist success. You know, half of all cash deals opposed by activists saw an increase in the consideration versus around a third, typically. Uh, so that was clearly an area where activists were keenly interested. You had Dell, which is an interesting situation, Carl Icahn, Schoenfeld Asset Management, Elliott Management at one point. You know, lots of activists involved there. Qualcomm is probably the biggest headline for M&A activity in 2018, and that was a hostile situation in which Broadcom wanted to take over the company. Yeah, and we really kind of don't know where that proxy fight would have ended up because it obviously got blocked by the US regulators. But it did create some opportunities for activists to play further down the chain. You know, with, with these hostile deals, you often get the targeted company pursuing another acquisition to make itself less vulnerable. That in turn led to NXP semiconductors getting an activist pushing for a higher price. So it, really interesting stuff there. And obviously, you know, one of the key talking points of the year was Elliott Management building out its takeover strategy. Uh, They bought one company in 2017 and uh, signed agreements for two companies in 2018, much much bigger companies, Athena Health and Travelport Worldwide. They're already bidding on companies for 2019 and according to a Wall Street Journal report, looking for more capital to build out that strategy. So it's definitely something where we can expect to see Elliott leading the market. Whether we see anyone else following them in that direction, I think is is difficult to say at this point. Yeah, and on a different note, it was interesting that we saw a lot of activists push for a sale of companies that didn't necessarily have a bidder in sight. Um, you know, Third Point did that at Campbell Soup and Paulson & Co. at Detour Gold. So I'm curious to see if others will take that initiative in the new year. Or indeed whether those companies will actually be sold, which we're still waiting on. And you mentioned Elliott's private equity foray, and I'm curious to know more about the relationship between private equity and shareholder activism. Does Elliott developing a private equity strategy make a convergence more likely? Uh, For the most part, no, I don't think so. We've talked about this in past years, and we still see some private equity funds getting into activism. Uh, There's currently a situation in Canada with Waterton Global Resources, and they're being accused of having a conflict of interest in running a proxy con test at uh, Hud Bay Minerals because, you know, they bid for these kinds of assets in other scenarios. So I think there's a strong line of attack for companies. There's concern on the part of private equity firms that they don't want to be tarred as unfriendly to management. Uh, They want to be seen as the kind of white knight. We've seen some white squire deals where they will make a significant minority investment and in return for board seats and operational changes. Those haven't worked out amazingly well so I don't know if we'll continue to see those and certainly it's hard to envisage them uh, preventing really large activist situations but you do see them occasionally I mean Hudson's Bay company in Canada has has kind of brought in outside investment twice to thwart land and buildings over the last year so it's not out of the question I think the relationship between activism and private equity will be quite strong especially as you see kind of private equity being lined up to take over some of the company's activist target Activists also approached bolder targets in 2018. Uh, What does that tell us about the immunity of companies and activism? Well, no company is really immune from activism, 
but it does make it quite hard to lose a situation when you have kind of 40% insider ownership. Obviously, Campbell Soup Company settled with Third Point and by the standards of activist settlements, that's a relative let-off for the company. Luby's had the first proxy contest of this year and won with a kind of 39% insider ownership. So activists can get involved, they can run companies quite close, they can force certain changes, but they're not going to sweep the whole board, you know, as they might do at a company where there isn't significant insider ownership. The one bright spot was Taubman last year for an activist um, getting that board seat with 31% insider ownership or insider voting power, I should say. And Jonathan Lurk got a seat on the audit committee clearly no um, no impediment at that level and of course we've seen a handful of activists consider environmental social and governance or esg concerns when determining which companies to invest in is esg genuinely about value creation or is it more of a marketing device for activists the jury is still out there is also a third option which is risk mitigation and i think the quieter activists are building ESG into their investment models as a way of mitigating risks rather than as outright value creation. The ones who have shouted most about ESG, I think, do expect to see value created. It's harder to say how quickly or, you know, how related value is to to an ESG issue as opposed to a kind of operational or balance sheet one, which is uh, tends to be picked up by the markets very quickly. I think it's notable that two of our top 10 activists this year have active ESG strategies. So clearly they are finding new ideas and new ways to push companies to make changes, where there's perhaps some of the other primary impartial focused activists that we cover are, are having fewer campaigns per year and uh, fewer ideas. So how did your predictions for the previous year do, your predictions for 2018? And what are some of your predictions for activism in the year to come? Yeah, so I think we were on target with some things in 2018, um, particularly some of the easier ones. Clearly, activists wanted to distinguish themselves from their peers to differentiate themselves, which I think is something, you know, they have been doing for at least kind of three years now. ESG was something that got talked about, you know, not just January and Value Act with their impact funds, but we also saw uh, Elliot pushing for more female directors at Commvault, Destination Maternity, you had this underlying subtext of board diversity. So I think that was an area in which, you know, we were right. Institutional investors did try to preempt activist campaigns. It wasn't always obvious and it wasn't always public, but um, they began to be a bit more open about the approach they would take with their portfolio companies rather than it being a last-minute men-in-grey-suits operation. I think we probably overstated activists looking back at their existing portfolios for opportunities. Um, that actually looks like a better better bet for 2019 than it did for last year now. Um, we were also kind of a bit wrong, I think, about you know, needing a major correction or about activists piling into Europe where there was a little bit less interest this year, I think. You saw plenty of um, activism in the UK where M&A um, made it very easy for activists to play there. We also saw kind of less of the operational CEO transition activism with few exceptions. I think we could 
potentially see operational activism come back a bit in 2019 with the tax sugar hit and the uh, M&A market cooling a little bit. Activists will be forced either to kind of try and catalyze a few more sales or to try and push some CEOs out and get some more operational changes made. I think Europe is clearly an area where activists could go more. We've seen Elliot go into France at Pernod Ricard. We could see more activism in Japan after Value Act uh, was successful at Olympus. The one other area, if we want to touch on activist shorts very briefly, is um, they found more bubbles than we anticipated last year with the cryptocurrency and cannabis industries jumping up. Uh, whether they continue to play in those fields or return to less liquid fields and more fraud allegations, as we saw in kind of 2017, is is the next question to address there. Now, the market has been fairly volatile in recent months. What effect will that have on shareholder activism, if any? It's a good question. If I knew what the S&P 500 would be at at the end of the year, uh, I wouldn't be doing journalism. Uh, but I think activists struggle to position themselves for really sharply falling markets. It's very difficult to to pick a company that is troubled but resilient at the same time. That said, I think you can, in a slowly downward market or flat market, pick the underperformers and the ones that have coasted for a little bit too long and push them to unlock some more value. So, you know, eBay and Dollar Tree... Uh, which are early campaigns this year are quite good examples of that. eBay is a situation where a little bit of operational improvement, potentially a breakup or a, a sale could keep the business going and make it competitive. With Dollar Tree, you kind of have this situation where, you know, an activist is asking them to sell items for more than a dollar, having various pricing points could revitalize the business, or they could just break the business up or sell half of it and capitalize the value there really quickly and move on to something else. Well, thanks for being here, Josh. Thanks for having me. For our next report. Elliott Management secured the top spot in Activist Insights' top 10 list for the fourth year in a row, breaking its own record by targeting 24 companies in 2018. The omnipresent activist has made its presence known across the globe, with targets as diverse as Germany's ThyssenKrupp and South Korea's Hyundai Motor. With claims of being the largest primary or partial-focused activist, Paul Singer's hedge fund set a unique task in 2018 as it expanded its private equity reach with its Menlo Park, California-based PE arm, Evergreen Coast Capital. Elliott partnered with Sirius Capital and Veritas Capital to strike deals for Travelport Worldwide and Athena Health, respectively. Already in 2019, it has placed the bid for software firm MyTech Systems and energy company QEP Resources. Long ago, there was speculation that activism would die of its own success. The opposite has proven true, Jesse Cohen, Elliott's head of equity activism, told Activist Insight. Barry Rosenstein's Jana Partners secured the second spot in Activist Insights' top 10 list, with 2018 categorized by two main campaigns for the firm. First, Jana catalyzed the $10.9 billion sale of Pinnacle Foods to Conagra Brands using traditional activist tactics. It also pushed Apple to adopt parental controls on its smartphones, setting the tone for its impact investing fund. Jana's general counsel, Charles Penner, told Activist Insight of the rationale behind Jana Impact Capital. We're looking at the company first on a bottom-up basis. 
What's the controversy? What's causing it to be undervalued by the market? Then we can help the company fix the issue and help make the case to the market that this is the smart approach for the long term. Jana Impact will focus on identifying companies with material, environmental, and social issues that are weighing on valuation, like human capital management or environmental efficiency. In third, Carl Icahn made his mark as one of the top activists of 2018 after waging nine campaigns against the likes of Xerox, Sandridge Energy, and Newell Brands, gaining 15 board seats in the process. Amid a slew of victories, Icahn also saw his rival Bill Ackman exit a Herbalife Nutrition short position that the pair had been on opposite sides of. Icahn racked up $9 billion of asset sales at Icahn Enterprises, with more to come this year. For the full list of 2018's top 10 activists, be sure to check out our annual review by visiting activistinsight.com. On the short side, Andrew Left's Citron Research jumped two spots to take the lead in this year's short seller top five list. The Los Angeles-based short seller targeted 14 companies last year six of which were in the cannabis sector, the hottest new market for attacks of fraud and stock bubbles. Interestingly, the short seller reversed its bet against a handful of companies, including Roku, Tesla, and Facebook, contending the stocks will rise. Left told Activist Insight that the most difficult thing to do as a short seller is acknowledge when the story changes. But the best move I ever did this year was go long a stock I previously shorted, he said, admitting that 2018 was a difficult year to, quote, really hang in there. Short seller Spruce Point Capital Management came in second place for our league table, placing bets against 14 new companies and continuing 15 campaigns from previous years. Spruce Point mostly targeted small and mid-cap companies in the technology and services sectors often accusing the firms of misleading accounting, according to Activist Insight Shorts. Founder Ben Axler said Spruce Point, quote, favored shorting capital-dependent businesses with low or no growth, aggressive accounting, and poor governance. Some of Spruce Point's most notable campaigns for 2018 include Maxar Technologies, XPO Logistics, and Weiss Markets. You can listen to an interview with Axler on a previous episode of the Activist Insight podcast, Beyond the Boardroom. Viceroy Research secured the third position in the short seller top five list, sliding down one spot from the prior year. In 2018, the British short seller had much to celebrate as three of its 2017 campaigns came to fruition and played out almost word for word, according to researcher Gabriel Bernard. Activist Insights Shorts data indicate the short seller made a 72.2% return on its bet against Mimetics. Viceroy placed bets against seven companies last year, targeting a wide array of markets including South Africa with Capitec Bank and the UK with RPC Group. For the complete short seller top five list, please visit our website and download a copy of the 2019 annual review. 2018 has been a busy year here at Activist Insight, where we published three special reports covering Europe, short selling, and a survey of activists, introduced a new subscriber-only newsletter called The Weekly Wrap, and launched this podcast. Activist Insight Governance has launched in March and has become a popular part of our product suite, providing users with a database of bylaws and directors. We have also increased the number of weekly reports on Activist Insight vulnerability and introduced head-to-head comparisons. Last year, 
16 of our vulnerability predictions proved to be true. Elsewhere, we added global stock price tracking and a major retagging of board representation and M&A demands to Activist Insight Online. 2019 promises to be an exciting one for subscribers to Activist Insight's five products. Expect to see special reports covering a range of topics and more in-depth articles in Activist Insight Monthly, Activist Insight Online, and Activist Insight Shorts. While we expect to share some of our insights across platforms, only by taking all five can users fully benefit from everything we offer. That's all for this episode of Activist Insight Podcast. If you like what you hear or want to read more, you can download the annual review at activistinsight.com. For more information about our various products, please contact subscriptions at activistinsight.com. For comments or questions about the podcast, or if you want to suggest a topic for discussion on a future episode, please email press at activistinsight.com. Please do rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you are using to help others access our reporting. I'm Ilana DeRay. Thanks for listening.